Thanks for tuning in to the Bethel New England Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from our lead pastor, Pastor Eric Capelli. The title of the sermons for this month, so the series, is In the Gap. I am going to be talking about the power and importance of what we refer to as intercessory prayer. That is prayer that goes beyond private and personal prayers. I'm thankful for the sermon that Pastor John preached last week. Did we enjoy that message? When he talked about Hannah, how God can use our personal pain and use it for his divine destiny in our lives and in our nations. And when Pastor John told me that he had this message that was brewing in his heart, I said, great, that is an awesome message to preach right before I talk about the fact of we've got to get beyond just personal prayer. Personal prayer is important. Don't get me wrong. Nothing will replace that. But there is power when we begin to pray for things that are beyond ourselves. There is power when we begin to connect with the heart of God. God, what is your passion? What is your desire? What are the things that break your heart? We want to know those things. And so today, I want to talk about intercessory prayer within the context of our nation our country. The title of today's message is My Country, Tis of Thee. We live in a wonderful country. Don't get me wrong. But our country needs God like never before. Our country needs people like you and I, churches like us, that are willing to stand in that place that no one else is willing to stand in. And so God has made it abundantly clear since the dawn of time that he has been looking for people. He's been looking for people like you and I that are willing to stand in those places of prayer that allow themselves to get spiritually and emotionally uncomfortable so that the will of God can be done on earth as it is in heaven. Every generation can recount or attest to a breakdown of society. Ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing new under the sun. When we look at the United States and the things that go on and the wars and the rumors of wars, there is genuinely nothing new. However, I believe that we are in a pivotal place on God's prophetic calendar. We live in this time of what I refer to as swirling absolutes and relative truths There's social, economic, and spiritual devastation in our nation. But God is looking. God is looking for a man, for a woman, a teenager, or a child who is willing to stand up and stand in the gap. And the time is now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word that reveals your truth to us, and we pray that you would give us the power of the Holy Spirit in order to do the things that your word is asking of us. Lord, we thank you for personal prayer. We thank you for the ability to come to you with our pains, with our aches, with our sorrows, and with our joys. But Lord, we're asking. We're asking that you begin to reveal your heart to us. We're asking that you begin to reveal your heart for our nation and that we would become sensitive to your Holy Spirit and become the people that learn to stand in the gap. We ask you this in Jesus' name. 
And the church said, amen. If you have your Bible with you, we're going to look in Ezekiel chapter 22, verses 30. In Ezekiel 22, 30, God speaks to the prophet Ezekiel as he's prophesying to a nation that has been completely devastated. Two different exiles of the 12 tribes of Israel. They can only identify two of the 10 tribes. Their country has been devastated. Their temple has been vanquished. Their people no longer have Hebrew names, and they have adapted with the cultures and the customs of the people around them. All hope seems to be lost. And as God speaks to Ezekiel, who prophesies of the future and the things that are yet to come, he says the following, I searched for a man among them, who would repair the wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land so that I might destroy it, but I found no one. These are the scripture verses that reveal the heart of God, and not only when I read them, I don't just glance over them, they break me as a person that the God of the Bible has dreams and desires. The God of the Bible has this longing and this passion that when life is happening and we're just treating it like God is far away and he's absent, that is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible, as I've said in the weeks that have passed, is not just sovereign in the sense that he sits on his throne and expects us to figure it out. The God of the Bible is a God who comes very near to us and he desires to use people like you and I that are willing to stand in those places that are complicated. He's looking for people like you and I that are willing to stand in the gap between life and death, between sickness and healing, between sin and salvation. He's looking for men and women and children that are willing to rise up and to hear his heart. As Ezekiel prophesies, he gives us this idea of the, the, he's not a prophet, he gives us this idea of Nehemiah, and we're going to have that teaching at Life Teachings, that Nehemiah was responsible to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem to protect the city. Not only had the temple been rebuilt, but the walls needed to be built as well, and in order to build the walls in this complicated period... Men had to build, and with one hand, they were building, and they were putting in the mortar and laying the bricks, and in the other hand, they were defending themselves with the sword against their enemies. It was not an easy place to stand in. Church, I want to be very frank with you. God has not called you to stand in easy places. If your life is too easy, something does not make sense. See, God gives peace, don't get me wrong. He allows you to be peaceful in the midst of the storms, but God is moving, and where God moves, things get shaken up. Things get pulled up to the surface, and that is not a nice place to be in. Not only does the God of the Bible like to repair walls, but he is in the business of restoring broken lives. He's in the business of restoring families. He's in the business of restoring societies. He's in the business of restoring churches. Church, I believe with every fiber of my being that the God of the Bible wants to come so close to us. So close. 
But it begs the question, how close do we want to come to him? The last few weeks, and I'll be, again, I'm, today's Frank day, yeah? My name's not Eric, it's Frank today. There's a deep need. When I look at certain things, not only our church, but churches across the board, there is a deep, deep spiritual need. And when we look at our country and we want God to move and do things, I hope that we understand that judgment first begins in the house of God. Judgment begins with us. Repentance needs to happen. If we are not living close to God, if we are not desiring God, if we are not crying out to him, if we are not saying, God, fill me with your spirit because I understand that the problems in the world around me, it is not by might, it is not by power, it is by the Spirit of God, and we need to cry out for that. See, I remember moments, and again, it was just like the way life was, but when we opened churches and we prayed, people prayed. People prayed. You, you, and again, I, I, don't get me wrong, I love worship, and I love worship music, but when we would gather to pray, everyone prayed. We didn't have to fill it up with white noise for you. We prayed and we believed God to move and to do things that only God can do. And I pray for a stirring in our hearts that would allow us to stand in that place and to pray and believe like never before. As I said, we live in a beautiful country. We need to keep it that way. The gap between ideals and actualities, between dreams and achievements, the gap can spur strong men to increased exertions, but can break the spirit of others. This gap is the most conspicuous, continuous landmark in American history. It is conspicuous and continuous, not because Americans achieve little, but because they dream grandly. This gap is a standing reproach to Americans, but it marks them off as a special and singularly admirable community among the world's people. People can say whatever they want about this country. Go live somewhere else. You think there's discrimination here? Go somewhere else. You think there are no opportunities here? Go somewhere else. You don't like the police and the military? Go somewhere else. It's not saying we're perfect. One of the most beautiful things that I love about our nation is, is it says that we strive for a more perfect union. We strive for that. And that striving is a prayerful form of striving. And God is not done with our country. See, there are things that mark the United States that make it different than any other country. Do you know that Americans give more per person than any other country in the world? And do you know that how big that margin is? That the average American gives 10 times more than anyone in any other country in the world. There's a generosity that flows in and out of this country that is unmatched. There is also the entrepreneurial drive in America that says, if you cannot make it or if you cannot do it, dust yourself off and try, try again. That is something that defines us. That is something that moves us forward. But the only way that we can continue forward in the blessings of God is to be vigilant in our prayer life. Yeah. 
Do you know that the hope and the future of this country rest upon your prayers? We've spent a lot of time, and again, I say it and I say it all over again. We have spent a lot of time as American Christians letting our emotions be determined by elections only. Oh, who's going to be in office? Like, please, please, please do me and God a favor and get over it. It does not mean that you should not be involved politically. What I think is a shame, an absolute shame, and I'm allowed to say this, is that as good citizens, when we have the right to vote, only one-third of the voting population shows up. Do you know what I say to that? If you don't show up, grow up and zip it. Come on. Oh, this country, that... People don't do this, even town elections. People don't understand America has political layers. We've got federal layers and regional layers and state layers and city layers. People don't even show up for their town meetings. And then they complain, oh, the mill rate in my town has gone up again. Like, I can't stand it. All I do is listen to people complain. All I do is listen to people get emotional. And then online, oh, people are like beasts online with their political ideology. Take those emotions and use them for Jesus. Take those emotions and channel them in the prayer closet. Take those emotions and bring them to the church prayer meeting as we believe God like never before to move through Bethel, New England. As we believe God like never before to move in New England. As we believe God like never before to move in this United States. God is looking. He's looking for those that will stand in the gap. Our country needs you. God needs you. His kingdom needs you. How do we do this? One of the first steps that we can take is to be consistent in prayer. We've got to develop this tenacity, this arrogance, so to speak, of God, I am not letting go until you bless me. God, I am not letting go of prayer of this very thing that I am believing in until you do that very thing. Lord, your word says, says, oh, well, I prayed and nothing happened. Pray again. I prayed and nothing happened. Pray again. We've got something to learn from Christian believers in other parts of the world. I remember a Liberian student at Bible school, Margreta, she said she had a list of 10 things. She said every day, multiple times per day, she said, I prayed for that list of 10 things, and then it wasn't happening. She said, I looked outside the window, and the snow began to fall, and I thought that that was always beautiful. And I said, God, look at the very work of your hands that each snowflake is accounted for and different in its structure. If you can do that, you are more than able to answer the things on my prayer list. So Satan, get out of here, and look what my God can do. She said, within no time, the 10 things were answered. There is something to that. There is something to getting persistent in the face of God that I will not accept things the way they are. Come on. We look at the United States, it's like, what? We're gonna let it become normal that kids are getting shot down in schools? Come on. We need a move of God. 
We need a touch of God upon our nation. How long are we going to wait to cry out? Do we have to wait until we're in complete economic despair? Do we need to wait until we're attacked by foreign enemies? What are we waiting for? Be persistent. Zach Wamp wrote the following about the U.S. military. Why do I talk about them? Because they serve in many ways as an example of the type of dedication and commitment that we should have as soldiers in God's army. Zach says the following about recruitment. He says, recruitment and retention are critical to sustain our armed forces with the best men and women willing to stand in the gap and make huge sacrifices to ensure our freedom. Prayer is a sacrifice. It is a sacrifice of your time. It is a sacrifice of your lips. It is believing that God is using you as the vessel to do his work. This is something I don't like. It has become the mentality of people. My job and what I do is insignificant and not important. Do you know that that is the bedrock of society? Do you know that society operates nicely when people actually do their job? Picture the men and women of our military. I don't feel like it. If our armed services for one day did not feel like it, do you know how vulnerable our country would be? But yet they feel like it every day and every hour giving themselves for this ideology of America. If they are willing to do that, how much more should we be willing to do that as believers for the sake of the kingdom of God? Romans 12, 12, Paul speaks to these Christians that are living in the Roman Empire, and he says to them the following, rejoice and hope, be patient in affliction, and be persistent in your prayer. Persistent, persistent, persistent. I am annoying when it comes to God. I am so utterly and completely annoying. I cannot wait to get to heaven. And he says to me, sometimes I was so sick of you. I would rather him be sick of me than not know me. I say all the time, one of the biggest blessings in our life even though others see it as bad, is the fact that my wife, her dad had passed. My dad wasn't in the picture. We learned to cry out to God as if he was the father who listened. We learned to believe him. We learned to stretch ourselves out to him. Don't wait for devastation in order to see God as the father that listens. Don't wait for times to turn against you. Be persistent now. Be persistent now. Be persistent as if the whole world depends on your prayer. Be persistent as if our nation depends on your prayer. Be persistent and don't give up. The second thing that we need to stand in the gap for our nation is that we need to take spiritual responsibility. The following is said by Womp again regarding men and women that are a part of our armed forces, he says, with freedom comes responsibility. And I can think of no responsibility greater than putting on a U.S. military uniform and standing in the gap between an enemy threat and civilian life. I am thankful. I'm thankful for men and women that are willing to stand in the gap for me, 
to stand in the gap to ensure my rights as an American citizen. However, I am thankful for brothers and sisters in Christ that dress themselves daily in the armor of God and they are willing to stand in that gap where their prayers go beyond their personal needs and they are believing for the body of Christ. They are believing for moves of God. They are believing for transformations in society. Yes, God wants to hear your cry to him. He wants to know your personal needs, but can we take it deeper, church? Can we take it deeper? Can we ask God, what are the things that are bothering you? What are the things that are on your mind? And when we know those things, we stand up every day and we dress ourselves in the armor of God and we believe that we have everything we need designed from head to foot with victory in mind. 1 Timothy 2.1. First of all, then I urge that petitions and prayers, intercessions and thanksgivings be made for everyone. You know, there are all different types of prayer. And unfortunately, when I was sitting in Bible school, we had a class that went over each one so methodically that you wanted to jump out the window. <laughs> I don't need 10 textbooks to explain to me that I need to learn how to say thank you to God every day. I don't need a textbook to help me understand that intercession is me having the ability to pray for someone as if my own life depends on it. I don't need a textbook that tells me that prayer is just talking to God like he's in the room, like he's a real person. Ding, 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 ding. Come on. And I certainly don't need a book that tells me what petitions are. Because yes, I ping God every five seconds with something. Lord, I need this. This is going on. Can you help with this? Oh God, this is going on. This person is acting like a weirdo. Can you help them? <laughs> or my favorite prayer of my life, Lord, help me. He hears. He hears and he's looking for you to step up to the plate like the minute men of old. He is looking for men and women that are willing at any minute, any moment that he can wake you up and shake you up and make you aware of the needs around us and that you respond to that with a spirit of prayer. That you respond to his heart with the spirit of prayer. That you believe that your prayers have influence. That you believe that your prayers move heaven and earth. When I signed up for Christianity, I would have never, ever, ever signed up. Honestly, thank God God is very wise. If I had known how certain Christians would go about the things of God, I was presented with the gospel. I was presented with the Pentecostal God, the God of the impossible, the God that we believe to do the impossible, the God who breaks through. And then I go into ministry and I spend 20 years leading people that mostly, not everyone, I'm going to say the word mostly, that have adapted what I call a lazy approach to Christianity, a lazy approach to prayer, a lazy approach to the things of the things of God. People, I don't care if your life is perfect. You need to be desperate for God, desperate for him. I don't care if you have a billion in the bank, the best job ever with a contract, and your house is beautiful because he that giveth is the one that taketh away. 
Build your life upon him. Build your foundation upon him. Lord, I'm desperate for you. Lord, I need you. In the middle of the night, cry out to him. On your way to work, cry out to him. Keep your hands on the steering wheel. <laughs> Take responsibility. Our country needs you. And lastly, in order to intercede, you need to be willing to die on that hill. You need to be willing to realize that this is a long-term, not a short-term thing. Parker Palmer says the following. Don't, don't be um, disillusioned by what I'm about to read. There's hope as I swing further. Palmer says the following. No one who has stood for high values, love, truth, justice, has died being able to declare victory once and for all. If we embrace values like those, we need to find ways to stand in the gap for the long haul and be prepared to die without having achieved our goals. The kingdom of God is worth fighting for. As John the Baptist declared, and it's very hard, John's terminology, John is very black and white. Jesus was super gracious. John was like, no, like poop or get off the pot. And so John says something along the lines of the kingdom of God is suffering violence, but the violent take it by force. What the Bible is trying to show us is not a militant form of Christianity. It's also not showing us a political form of Christianity. It is showing us a deeply spiritual, committed, and convicted form of Christianity that we believe that God has placed us here on earth to be the restraining force that keeps evil and the work of Satan at bay. We are here for a reason. And that reason is to stand in that gap. And we need to be willing to die on that hill. As a person, you know, I have my hills that I'm willing to die on. I have a little sidebar hill that I'm going to say to you just so you know one of them. For example, raising my kids. When we were growing up, we would do things like they had to learn how to sit at a dinner table. They had to learn how to shake hands, look people in the eye, talk to people. I will die on that hill. I'm not going to raise social ingrates. I will die on that hill. People, no need to do that. Why are you being so strict? No need to do that. I had someone tell me one time, we would take our kids to museums, and they would draw out paintings on the floor and do things, and people said, what a horrible parent that they make their kids go to museums. Do you know what our teachers have said at the schools that our kids go to? The other kids that go to school, they only know things because we teach them from the books. Your kids have been there. I will die on that hill. As a pastor, I've got hills. I've got a lot of hills for this church. I am going to die on this hill. Are you ready for this one? I'm gonna die on the hill of Bethel, New England, believing God for a move like we have never seen before. I am gonna die on the hill of a church that is equipped and ready and ready to move at a moment's notice to pray and believe God to do the impossible. I am gonna die on the hill of believing that God is a God who still saves, heals, and delivers. I am gonna die on the hill of seeing people filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I am gonna die on the hill of releasing ministries, seeing churches thrive in our region. If I die on any hill, that is the hill I'm dying on. I've already bought my burial plot. Psalm 106, verse 23, 
We read about Moses being willing to die on that hill for the people of Israel. Therefore, he said he would destroy them. Had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach or stood in the gap before him to turn away his wrath from destroying them. Church, do you understand that your prayers can move and change the heart of God? Charles Finney, one of the greatest revivalists in our history, believed that prayer changed the heart of God. When we read of the prophets, we see God wanting to pour out destruction. But he says, if one person stands up, if one is willing to agree and believe, if one is willing to stand in that place, I will spare them. And do you know what the sadness was? That there was almost no one found. God is looking. Church this morning, God is looking. If you're watching online, he is looking for those that are willing to stand in that place, to stand in that place like Moses, to stand in that place like Esther, to stand in that place like Jeremiah and Ezekiel, to stand in those uncomfortable places and be willing to believe that your God is able to do the impossible again. And I understand that we as human beings, it's quite a lofty goal to attain. I've had people tell me in my churches, even leaders, Pastor, you set the bar too high. I set it high because I believe in a Holy Spirit that helps us do things beyond us. I don't base my goals on what human beings can do. The scripture says, Lord, with your strength, I can run through an army and leap over a wall. We need to learn to believe like never before. And Jesus, the forerunner, he stood in that gap. When Jesus died on the cross, he stood in that gap for you and I. When Jesus stood in the gap and gave his life for us, he devoted himself to a lifetime of intercession. And not only did he die on a cross for us, but he rose again and then ascended to be seated at the right hand of the Father where he is interceding in that gap 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And guess what he's done? He's given you and I, if we believe in him, unlimited access into that presence. And that's why I don't like it when people say, oh, pastor, when I pray, it's like my ceilings hit the ceiling. Oh, pastor, when I pray, my words are stupid. God is not looking for polished. He is not looking for full paragraphs. God hears the cry of our hearts. And when you go to him and when you cry out to him, he answers you. Do you know that a nation depends on you? Do you know that our region depends on you? Do you know that our church depends on you? Rise up! Isaiah 53, verse 12, shows the Messiah who will stand in the gap. The one that Moses cried out for, the one that Ezekiel cried out for. Jesus came to that place. Isaiah 53, 12 says the following, Therefore I will give him, meaning Jesus, the Messiah, the many as a portion, and he will receive the mighty as spoil because he submitted himself to death and was counted among the rebels. Yet he bore the sin of many and interceded for the rebels. Jesus did it all. Did it all to give you and I everything that we need 
as New Testament Christians, not only to live for him, but to die for him and be resurrected for him. Jesus gave it all. Jesus gave every portion of himself so that you and I would be without excuse, so that you and I would have the opportunity to say, I can stand in his power. One of the greatest problems of the Old Testament was the infilling of the Spirit was not a reality for them. The Spirit of God in the Old Testament came on people, came upon people, on, not in, on them at certain times, at certain moments, to reduce certain tasks. But the beauty of the New Testament is that the Spirit of God doesn't just come upon us, the Spirit of God lives inside of us every day and every hour. You have the ability to let the glory of God be seen. Church, our nation needs the glory of God to dawn upon it. Our region needs the glory, our church needs the glory, and you carry that glory with you. Jesus died to give it all. Let's stand with one another this morning. For those that are helping with communion today, if you would get ready just to pass out the trays. And the reason why we're ending with communion today is because the response in communion is this, is that Jesus gave us something tangible to eat and drink that we would realize what he did for us. That Jesus stood in the gap when he gave his body. He, he gave his body so that you and I can become part of the body. He gave his body so that you and I could be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we could stand in that gap. Jesus gave of his blood. It was poured out for us. No one else's blood could do that. The blood of Ezekiel, the blood of Moses, they could not accomplish that. It was only the blood of Jesus. Church, it is still only the blood of Jesus that avails for us. It is that blood, it is that blood that needs to flow over us and our homes. It is that blood that needs to flow over our countries. And guess what? For the American wake-up call. Do you know the blood of Jesus is still powerful in Iraq? Do you know the blood of Jesus is powerful in Iran and in China and in Russia? That blood avails no matter what culture and what country you come from. It is that blood of Jesus that will never, ever lose its power. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he sat with a group of disciples that were so hoping that the culmination of the ministry of Jesus would end with the destruction of the Romans. And as Jesus sat at that table, many were wondering, who is the betrayer among us here? And as Jesus celebrated, he brought them to a realization that Jesus' tactic for defeating the kingdoms of the world would be ultimate submission to the will of the Father that Jesus would conquer every power of evil by giving his life to the uttermost and by rising from the dead and being seated at the right hand of the Father. This morning, as we eat and as we drink, we are reminded of what Jesus has given his all to give us. He's given us all the power we need as men and women, youth and children to stand in that gap 
to stand in that place that he stood in, to rebuild the walls of our lives, to rebuild the walls of our society, to rebuild the things that were broken, Jesus himself became, proverbially speaking, broken. Broken in heart, broken in mind, broken in spirit, broken in body. On that evening, he gave thanks as he took the bread. He said, this is my body, I give it for you. As we eat today, let us give thanks to him whose body has given us all that we need to stand daily in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's eat together. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your body that is more than enough for me. Your body that gives me sustenance and life. Your body that transforms me. Your body that makes every nation and every people one body. We praise you. Let us drink of the cup and give thanks. And as we drink, we realize that it is that blood of Jesus that avails. It is that new covenant that you and I get to walk in. That no longer do we have to wait for the Spirit to come upon us at any random time. But because of that blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all unrighteousness, the way to the Father is open. Because of that blood that availed for you and I, we don't have to fret. We don't have to worry. We can run to Him at any moment and any hour us because the Father sees us through the eyes of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for that blood that availed for us, that avails for every nation on this planet. Lord, may our country be strengthened with the work that only you can do. Let's lift our hands together as we cry out to the Lord. God is looking, church. God is looking for men and women, young men and young women, boys and girls that are willing to stand in that gap. And the moment isn't tomorrow. Yes, next month we'll have a day of prayer and fasting. We're gonna let you know more about that. We need you. But today is the moment. Today is the hour. Like the minute men of old, we need to be ready right now. And so as we cry out and as we lift our hands to the Lord, let's believe together as one community for what God desires to do. Lord, right now in this moment as Bethel, New England, we cry out to you. Lord, we realize that you are the only hope of our nation. You are the only hope for New England. You are the only hope for our church. And so, Lord, we are believing together for a move of God like never before. Lord, we pray that you would pour out your spirit afresh and anew. Lord, revive your church. Lord, we pray that you would breathe over New England like never before. May our churches become full of life and vibrant. May our political systems, our school systems, our hospital systems, every system known to man that we utilize, may they see a move of God like never before. Lord, we ask, breathe and move, breathe and move, breathe and move like never before. Lord, today as we stand in the gap, we are believing that you are going to move in this place in a powerful way. Lord, we're believing for those that are sick that they'll be healed. Lord, those that are possessed and oppressed that they will be delivered. Lord, for those that are struggling in lives of sin that they will be saved. Lord, sweep over this region again. Lord, we pray for a move like never before. 
Lord, we pray for our young people that are being polluted with every kind of untruth under the sun. Lord, we are believing for a move of God over our young adults, over our youth, and over our children. Father, pour out your presence on this generation like never before. Father, move upon them like never before. Pour out your spirit, we pray. Lord, we ask for a visitation. Spirit of God, Spirit of God, breathe. Breathe upon us, Lord. Breathe upon us today. If that's your desire, Lord, breathe upon me. Just cry it out to him. I can't do that for you. That's what I'm getting at here, people. I can't cry out for you. I can't desire for you. I can't, I can't reach out for you. I can only do that for me and try to bring you along on that roller coaster. If you don't cry out, if we don't get desperate for him, we are gonna see the wrong shift. But as we cry out and as we become desperate for him, we will see the shift that is needed. Lord, we have relied too much as a country. We've relied on our finances. We've relied upon our military. We've relied upon our alliances. And Lord, we know it is by your spirit. And Lord, we are asking, pour out your spirit on our country like never before. Lord, we pray, we pray, we pray, pour out your presence, pour out your presence upon the political system, pour out your presence upon the school system, pour out your presence on the legal system. Lord, pour out your presence, pour out your presence, pour out your presence like never before. like to ask the altar team to come and to the altars right now. And I don't want us to be shy if the altar team comes right now, please. I don't want us to be shy anymore. We need to be desperate. Week after week, I've watched people, they just stay in their seats. I love these pews, but like I said, sometimes I want to kick them over because they represent this sense of like, we are, I'm not moving, I'm not going anywhere. People, I have become the person I've become in Jesus because I've always been desperate for him. Running to those altars, believing God for change and the move of God. This morning as the altar team is here to stand in that gap, to pray with you, to believe for you. If you need that fire awakened inside of your life like never before, come to the altars this morning and be prayed for. Let the Spirit of God do the work that he needs to do inside of you. Pastor Noah will lead us in one last song of worship. God bless you today. Go with the presence of God, but do not leave this place without letting the Holy Spirit touch you today. Thanks for listening to the Bethel New England Message of the Week. Make sure you share this message with a friend or family member to encourage them today. Head to BethelNE.com to stay up to date with everything that's going on at Bethel New England.